What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining us for episode two of the Pulling Up From 40 podcast. I'm your co-host, Colin, here with my boy, Lucas. And uh, yeah, we're really excited here for episode two. It's uh, been great feedback so far off of our first episode. So for all of you who are tuning in to our second episode here, we really appreciate it. And uh, all of the feedback and comments, um, all the engagement on, on all the different social media platforms has been you know really encouraging. I think I speak for the both of us in that we are just really excited just to continue to see this grow and, uh, you know, con- continuing to develop more, you know, quality content for you all. So, um, yeah, man, uh, anything from you, Lou? If you've made it this far to episode two, thank you. And w- one of the things that we need from you all is to hop on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or YouTube or wherever you're watching us and either hit that like button, give us a five-star rating. That helps us tremendously. So make sure you do that either during this podcast or after you're done with it. 100%. So uh, with it being said, let's just jump right into it, man. So uh, I think first and foremost, um, you know, it's been a uh, an interesting week because it's been and it was NBA Media Day, I think, last Monday, last Tuesday. Um, so a lot of a uh, lot of interesting clips, a lot of interesting kind of uh, uh, talk tracks from superstars, coaches. Um, what were some of your favorite moments? I mean, I just think every time of year when media day comes around it's when the teams are at their most optimistic right <laughs> so to see one of the best teams in the league fail media day was <laughs> very disappointing dude and uh if you can't read between the lines or you know lucas he, lucas is talking about uh the, the sons um deandre aiden with easily the the biggest clip frankly from the week of uh of just not wanting to be there. I mean, right. you know, I mean, his people literally asking him, you know, when's the last time you've talked to Monty Williams? He, you know, they haven't talked since game seven of, uh, you know, what was that? April, May, uh, May. Um, you know, so they ended up, you know, hitting him with the offer sheet and, uh, you know, he's back in Phoenix, obviously, but he wanted to go to, to go to Indiana. And, which is uh, crazy. Which is crazy. I don't know who wants to be a pacer, but I mean, but like, what does that say about his relationship with, like I, I don't know where the blame lies, right? I feel like a lot of people are quick to throw it at like at Monty or Chris Paul, but like I don't understand right. what his gripe is. It's like you're on a top five team well, in the West. So one of the things that I know that he's upset about is he feels that he can do a lot more for a team offensively than he does right now. For the Suns, he's a ball screen roller. He's a rim runner, offensive rebounder, post-up player. He, I remember watching him in high school. There, was, the biggest knock on him was a lot of people felt that he didn't play to his strengths a lot of times because mm-hmm. in high school he was actually trying to shoot a lot of threes. I do remember, and that. you don't see him doing any of that with the Suns. And so I get, you know, it's really hard for me to sympathize with somebody that just made a hundred million dollars this summer. <laughs> but I, if I'm trying to see both sides. That would be one of the main reasons I believe he wanted to go somewhere where he could have an expanded offensive role and be more of a focal point of the offense. Do you think he's even really capable of that? I, I do. I think he's capable of that. I, I, it's, but it's for it to happen, you have to go somewhere where basically you're on a team like Indiana. Like mm. Indiana's going to let you do whatever you want because they're just happy that they got. I, I can't remember they're the last. Lose. Who, who was the last big free agent to go to Indiana like that? They don't like, 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 
small market teams like that don't usually get players of a, a DeAndre Ayton's caliber. And uh, yeah. the other thing I was thinking about is I, I would be salty if I wanted to go somewhere and then basically I didn't have the right to because restricted mm. free agency, you're the the team that has your rights basically can say whether they want to take you back or not. Yeah. So um, I, I could understand why if you had signed somewhere else and then the team that you were trying to leave resigns you yeah you'd probably be a little salty but for that to come out in nba media day is a whole different thing like, exactly. like it's just amazing to me that like even a team as good as the suns already looking broken on even the nets had a great nba media day people yeah, were feeling did. really optimistic about the nets after media day yep. and they just had one of the worst pr summers that you could have had <laughs> <laughs> so like i think it I mean, I don't want to base anything off of media day, right? It's, it's a very minor day, but it's not a good sign for them. Yeah, the Suns lost media day, without a doubt. I mean, it's a, uh, I mean, just to your point, like the whole restricted free agent concept is insane, right? And uh, on the outside looking in, you could definitely be like, well, you know, for Phoenix, like, why don't you just let it go? I mean, you know, DeAndre obviously just doesn't want to be there, but there's only a handful of guys in the NBA who do what he does, right? right. So like, and you, then, so you're, but who was going to be their starting center? Well, that's well, that's, that's the problem. It's like you, <laughs> you have could, to, yeah, they you, had to do it. Yeah, you have to, you have to do it. I don't know if I fully agree with you on DeAndre being capable of like being that guy and expanding his offensive role. Just because, like, I feel like if he if he had if he really had that capability, Phoenix would have tapped into it to a certain degree. I get it. You have to play it a little bit safer because you're a because you're a competitor, you have other stars to to feed, for lack of better words. So I understand that perspective. But like if he was really that guy, they would find a way for him for him to be that guy in Phoenix. I mean, he showed moments in the early rounds of the playoffs of being a dominant big man. So I, I think but I really do think that they just gotta throw him a bone every once in a while, let him maybe take one three a game or, or something mm. like that, because that's otherwise fair. you're gonna have a disgruntled center and that's the last person on your team you want to be disgruntled. That's supposed to be like the anchor of your team. Exactly. And Especially so the defense, man. It, it is concerning for them, but I, you know, it, it's media day. I'm not gonna Yeah, you can't overhype it. Overhype but it. I feel like it's also just like we're all thirsty as hell for basketball season, you know what I mean? <laughs> so people were just like very very tapped into media day for that exact reason so I you know everyone, don't ever remember gonna, being this tapped into media day <laughs> bro just like the general like the man the nba is just in a great place man like they just like i feel like just general fandom around it is just like so hype right now and just like people are itching for it constantly and that's kind of i feel like people talk about it in general of like you know the nba just just does a great job of like keeping you tapped into the life around the NBA year round. For sure. And I feel like it's just gotten just like more and more heightened. But maybe one of the reasons why NBA media day were noticing it so much is because they're trying to cover up for Robert Sarver, Ime Yudoka Ooh. stuff going on. You know what I mean? Because oh, like, I don't shit. ever remember even thinking about <laughs> NBA media day. Maybe it's because we're doing this podcast. I don't know. Like I literally don't ever remember like noticing it much or caring. And, and so maybe they were just like to all the NBA teams, like, Hey, your social media needs to be on point. Yeah. Like, exactly. You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. we're trying to push all of this other stuff off to the side, which, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I get, um, what, was there anything else from media day that stood out to you? Uh, I think the biggest one for me was honest, uh, maybe not biggest one, but an important one, I think, was 
uh, Christian Wood being basically notified while on the podium that, you know, Jason Kidd was intending to put him as the sixth man. Right. And I was uh, reading some stuff about the situation and like why, you know, basically Wood's, you know, internal camp is pissed off about it because he's in the contract year. So if he's only getting sixth man minutes and stats essentially right like that's how he's going to be evaluated at the time where he's you know going to be going out for you know he's going to be looking for the max next summer i think or or close to it i mean i i think very highly of christian wood personally um and i think that he's in a great situation in dallas but um i could definitely see him you know playing in a more limited non-starting role hurting his overall value in terms of what his earning potential might be able to be so i understand it from his perspective but it was definitely not a good look for jason kidd specifically to be dropping that and christian wood finding out about it on the podium yeah i also just wonder like was christian wood just playing games like i don't know if he really didn't know that because i just don't know how that's possible mm. but at the same time i will say this when i was working in college basketball media day was always like a little bit of a controversial time for the team mm. for example when we're, we're in the big east i'm at depaul you have three players that you can send to new york city for media day so that mm. that kind of sends a message to the team already yeah so it's, it puts the coaches in an awkward position and then i remember there was there was this one time where we had some sort of marketing campaign and we had eight players that we could pick for the campaign. So if you're like the ninth, <laughs> you can understand how that would cause some animosity. Yeah. So these things can happen on media day. I'm mm. surprised to see it happen at the NBA level. But I mean, at the same time, and we'll get to Christian Wood a little more on this podcast, yeah. but I, I, I guess maybe I'm just not buying it because I just feel like at the professional level, you, there's, that's usually been not that type of miscommunication but then again at the same time we're finding out about players not talking to their coach for the whole summer so i mean that is possible that's nuts and not to bring it fully back to deandre Aiden, but like monty williams is known as one of the best like player coaches in the nba right like i feel like those right. guys love playing for him and uh for that relation to a relationship to go sour for this long uh definitely just does not bode well for how that season's gonna go for them but we'll see yeah i mean the one thing you got to remember at the professional level is these guys are all competitors so when when you lose a game by 60 points and you get benched there's going to be some hard feelings so i can see it happening but it's just disappointing to see it happen yeah it's uh it's definitely crazy to just see like the the fall of the suns right and i feel like it just like alludes to the greater point of like your window in the nba and any other sport is so small right like right. you know they were they were up to one but of the i don't think they've fallen off i mean think about it they were one of the best regular season teams for the last two years and what is really stopping them from doing that this year i don't disagree with you but i think that it kind of just gives me like those like mid 2010s like raptors teams vibes of like they're going to give you a solid like 50 to maybe even 60 wins in the in the regular season and then they're just going to drop a dud on you in, in the playoffs and like that's just kind of like how i just like viscerally feel about them but uh but yeah i mean they're i mean they're still going to be competitive i mean you've got you got cp3 you've got devin booker i'm not giving up on them <sighs> just yet i'm not fully just, giving up on them just I'm because just, deandre Ayton's a little salty and jay crowder wants to be traded because he lost his starter spot I, I still think they got a pretty good team they're definitely not a, they're definitely not a bad team i guess i just view them as like a not a real threat 
honestly. And I think that the, you know, they benefit, they've benefited in the past of having not necessarily a, well, I guess you could say kind of a weaker Western conference or one that's been riddled with injuries and, you know, things like that. Um, are, are they still a quality team? Of course. But I also just think that a lot of teams have improved a lot in the last year and are starting to not, not, not necessarily separate themselves from, from the Suns, but um, are like right there and I think can, you know, give them a run for their money. So we'll see. Right. The only other thing that I thought from NBA Media Day that stood out to me was Greg Popovich saying to the reporters to note that he said, don't go to Vegas to bet on us to win a championship, which is funny because it was met with laughter. And I feel like because the media loves pop. And yeah, I feel like if any other coach had said that, they would have been getting roasted right now. Mm-hmm. Because how are you? I've, never, I've never heard a coach say something like that before. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> to your point, the media just loves him. And he's kind of allowed to say whatever the hell he wants to. And uh, But I think in the broader sense, like, it's time for a dude to hang it up. I mean, well, he even like alluded to that. He said, "My job is to develop the players on this roster for whoever the next coach is." Yeah, he literally said that. Wow, I don't even think I caught that. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, he knows. He knows what it is, but it's crazy to hear him say that, though. Yeah, you almost—I never heard a coach in almost any sport say, "Basically, don't even, don't even bother watching us." I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, there's no no other coach in the NBA or most other sports have as much leeway as he does. You know, and that's just like by nature of him being a you know top two three coach of all time for the last what two plus decades so he's just given that leeway right so one of the things that we did this week was we had a mailbag for the episode and we're really thankful that people submitted questions we got some good questions some very broad questions maybe controversial questions the first one shout out to ben (laughs) (laughs) For the question, what are your opinions on KD's career? <sighs> Polarizing figure, just to say one. But uh, personally, like, KD is without a doubt, in my opinion, uh, a top two, three overall offensive player in NBA history, right? Seven foot, literally does everything. Um, incredibly talented. But uh, yeah, my view of him frankly got tarnished by him going to going to Golden State. I just felt like going up 3-1 um what year was that 2016? Um going up 3-1, blowing that lead and then deciding to go join them that next summer. I just think it was just one of the more cowardly moves that you can make, honestly. Like I just I just equated to like, you know, if like we were, you know, throw us back in high school right and like we go out on a friday and like we get into a fight with like a group of like another like three or four guys and we get our asses kicked and then we show back up in school on monday morning and like i'm hanging out with them and it's also worse in like the context of our friend group because like i'm like the biggest guy so like i'm most responsible (laughs) you know what i mean like i should have held that shit down a little bit better for us and now I'm jumping ship and going to the guys that just kicked our ass. Like that's just kind of soft. Like in my opinion, like yeah. I just, like I, I don't just, know. I, I, just, I can't, I can't co-sign that shit. I'm not, I'm not riding the same wave that you are when it comes to KD. Because I just think if anybody else was given, so like, okay, your your analogy, I I get where you're coming from, but at the same time, let let me give you another analogy, right? 
if you were pretty much working a job and you felt like you did everything you could in that job and you weren't really getting to where you wanted to and then all of a sudden say okay google is going to come hire me and man google's wins every year right it'd be hard for most people to say no i want to stay in oklahoma city i want to uh be a part of this and build it from the ground up especially when they traded james harden you know what i mean like i I just don't i didn't really now could he have gone maybe somewhere else yeah but like at the same time if you're if everybody's goal is to win a championship what is the point of going to some team that's maybe about the same as okc you might as well just stay in okc so I, I, to me, I, I, I don't get caught up in that stuff. Like I don't get caught up on who goes to what team or what, what they do. I, I just care about the basketball player. And to me, they're, he's one. I got him one. I, I still got him one. Even if he, how old he is and, and mm. post Achilles, I still just don't think that there's a player in the league that does as much as he does, whether it's being a three-level, two-way player at the same level that he does, hmm. which is crazy because I had the Nets six. So <laughs> and you had the Nets three. So yeah, these opinions really don't make much sense uh, or maybe could be like semi-contradictory. But I, I believe that Brooklyn is just the organization. I don't believe in not so much Katie. I, I hmm. believe in Katie. I just think you can't stop him. like he averaged 30 last year. Yeah. And the year before that, I, I swear he was like just an inch off from making the finals. Yeah. So it's it's hard for me to to kill the guy. And then people are going to also kill him because he went to the Nets and left the Warriors. So it's like, okay, if that's what you wanted, why did you go to the Nets? And it's probably because a lot of this discourse around his name is that he could only win with the Warriors. So he felt the need to, okay, I need to prove people wrong. So. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to Brooklyn. Yeah. I don't even necessarily disagree with like your analogy of like going to a, you know, high level company, right? If like, you're just like an everyday corporate worker, right? Like that makes sense. But I think just the element of it, the element of competition and pride, like has to come into play to a certain degree. Like if you're, if you work at another tech company, yeah, you have competitors, but like, you know, the people at like Facebook are not like. I don't even know how to make the analogy. They're not playing defense on you. You know what I mean? And like they are in a certain respect, but I just think that there's an aspect of like competition in sports that just like, like I can't remove myself from just like these guys just embarrassed us in the Eastern, in the Western conference finals. And then I'm just going to go hop with them, um, you know, to go, to go win a chip. And like, I don't disagree. Like another kind of not necessarily hot take, but just like, I am totally on board with like, going where you need to go to like you know go you know advance your career better like i was totally on board with lebron going to miami in like 2010 all of that i have no disagreements with that but i take issue with jumping ship to a team that just embarrassed you when you were a game away from from the finals and that's kind of my just overall point on it but but that doesn't take away from my opinion on him of just like how amazing of a player he is overall but i think that that's kind of my one tarnished point for him when you look at his career in totality but without a doubt i have Giannis slightly over him just in my like current nba rankings of like top players but 
top three NBA player, Hall of Famer, all of that. I don't discredit any of that. But just the way that he handled that situation going to Golden State uh, left a bad taste in my mouth, personally. No, and he he repeatedly leaves bad taste in people's mouths because Pause. people don't like <laughs> Pause. <laughs> <laughs> first pause of the podcast um he, he repeatedly leaves bad taste in people's mouth i think at this point intentionally because he just knows he's that guy I, you look at his you look at katie's profile picture on social media it's hilarious he's it's i can't remember what movie it's from it's I feel, lot, right no nah, I, I think it's from uh is it from emperor's new groove and the guys, uh, he, he, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's right. standing up against the wall with a bunch of people holding knives to him because he's just like <laughs> that most hated man. And he, he's kind of embraced it. And that's why he just tweets whatever he wants. And yeah, I love that. I, I, I'm, I'm, you've known this. I, I've been a long KD fan for a long time. Perhaps. We have a friend that growing up, <laughs> we, we had a everyday debate on who Every was day. better, Kevin Durant or Brandon Roy. And needless to say, I won that argument. Shout out Brandon Roy. Shout out Brandon Roy. Shout out dog. Absolute dog. He he really would have liked to see what he would have looked like without injuries. But bro, Kobe had such high words of praise for Brandon Roy. Like he was just like, you know, he does everything. You know, just all you know, three level score, six five, athletic, did everything. But like you don't have to be a genius to look at the two of them, even at the start of their careers and be like, uh, Katie's got about six or seven inches on him in height. So it's just like not even a comparison at this yeah. point, but whatever. So why don't, why don't we hop into our next question for this one is from Eli from St. Louis is Marcus smart and Malcolm Brogdon, the best defensive backcourt in the NBA. That's definitely a tough question. I think that they are definitely high up there and I'm gonna I'm gonna personally say yes, but I think that there is some competition, and uh, I know that you've you've got a right. list of, of who, so, the, okay. who the best Let, ones are. Let's run through it. them. Are are they better? Is is Marcus Smart and Malcolm Bred is Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon a better backcourt defensively than Drew Holiday and Wes Matthews? Yes. What about Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton? I don't really consider Chris Middleton to be a guard. He's more of a three in my right, mind. but I think that there'll be lineups at times where that'll happen. You know, what I you're mean? not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, probably not because I think that Drew. I think that Drew, Drew Holiday, and uh, and Marcus Smart are about equal in my eyes. I think Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday might have a slight edge, but like they're they're right there, neck and neck with each other. But I think that Chris Middleton is a much not much better but he's but he's a better defender than than malcolm brogdon so i'll agree with that i think drew holiday is a better defender than marcus smart but drew holiday also has more offensive responsibility so that limits him a little bit mm, fair the next one is what about russ russell westbrook and patrick beverly that's tough that's a tough one because really you, tough you one. get the energy that you want that i feel like almost like any other backcourt probably doesn't have as much defensive energy facts but i guess maybe at this point in our, their career we're not sure but yeah. i do think they're their top three mm-hmm. top three lonzo ball and alex caruso we won't maybe even see this backcourt this season so it almost doesn't even bother talking about it but that one is very tough i mean at the beginning of last season they were locking up locking up when and it's funny because so one of the things that i noticed when making this list you'll notice a lot of these backcourts that i'm naming they're not the starting backcourt 
And really, if you and also Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon are not the starters not because they've court. already came out and said that Malcolm Brogdon is going to be coming off the bench. So there's really not that many good defensive backcourts starting in the NBA, and that's kind of speaks to the direction of the league really putting an emphasis on having more offensive-minded shooting yeah. type of guards. Yeah. I could, I almost, it was really hard for me to put together this list with anybody that was starting. I mean, the next person that I had was Jose Alvarado and Herb Jones. Jose Alvarado doesn't start. Yeah, doesn't start. And I mean, you know, he does the whole thing where he comes up from behind you and steals the ball. But mm-hmm. like, I'm wondering on a minute to minute basis, is he really like a, one of the better defensive guards in the league? I don't no, know. I think he just gives a lot of, uh, Patrick Beverly has yeah, energy, exactly. you know what I mean? Where he's just like up in your, you know, up in your shit, like right. constantly, where he's just up, he's a pest. And, uh, but at the end of the day, the guy's barely 6'1. So, like, at, at, at a certain point, your size is a disadvantage to you. So, I wouldn't put them over, uh, over Brogdon and Smart together. But, right. I mean, yeah, but definitely a good backcourt tandem. Kevin Porter and Jalen Green to me are one that's going to come on the scene this season. They haven't, mm. they weren't that last season, but they just got all the tools. You got two guards that are six six, super athletic. Yeah, I think that they have a chance to do that. I just don't know that they have the defensive anchor in Houston mm. that they need to they're, get to I that hope, next level. They're hoping Jabari is that guy, right? But I, I mean, think- he could. Uh, so I don't know if he's like gonna. I, I'm more talking about like somebody that's like a rim protector that's got your back that's going to cover up for a lot of your defensive mistakes. Jabari isn't Jabari I, not looked at looked at as that? I guy? mean, I, I get he to me. I think like what makes him special is his ability to switch and 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 guard guards mm. at six eleven. I don't know that. I don't know that he's the same level of a help defender, a shot blocker, somebody that you're intimidated by when you come into the paint. That's real. Which I think those types of players, as we saw with Robert Williams this year, elevate the rest of the team. Yeah. And to me is the most important part of your defense. So I don't know that they have that. So because even if they have the tools, I don't know that they'll be unlocked in their full potential. Yeah. And you and you made a good point with uh with like Drew Holiday about uh his offensive responsibilities. Like I think you could apply that same logic to Jalen Green and um Absolutely. And, and Kevin Porter Jr. where they are they are that offense. You right. know, like they're taking definitely 50, 60 percent of all the shots on that on that roster. So, you know, they've got a lot of responsibilities in the offensive end of the floor. So I'm sure that you will see at times lapses in defensive effort, but from a just pure capability standpoint, you know, athleticism, like, you know, there's probably not a better, just pure raw athletic duo, you know, at, at that guard spot. So, but you know, they, they have to handle a lot on the other end of the floor. Right. And then the two backcourts that I got left, Fultz and Gary Harris uh, and for Orlando, I, it's another one that I'm not even sure how much we'll see them on the court together this Fast. season. Cause they're both injury prone all the time. Yep. And then, uh, Cade Cunningham, and Alec Burke slash Jaden Ivey hmm. is one that, not this season, but maybe one day. Yeah, Cade really showed signs of defensive promise in his rookie year, but I, I just think that they need more time to develop. Yeah. But could have the tools to one day get there. I'd agree with that. Our next question from the mailbag was, what separates a casual basketball fan that's that's a, a term that's thrown around a lot calling somebody a casual yeah versus a real basketball fan slash person yeah 
I think you should start because I know yeah. you, you have strong opinions. I mean, this. it's it's really simple. It's there's people that watch the, the games, and then there's people that either are learning about the game through NBA 2K, or are just watching social media highlights like um, hoop mixtape, House of Highlights, Ball is Life, or they're just people that read about it on the internet that don't actually watch the full games, and yep. it's really not hard to tell the difference. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a, it's like a broader, a broader, not necessarily issue, but like why the NBA has gained so much popularity is because they do social media better than any other league without a doubt. I think just because it's such a, it's such a highlight driven sport where I feel like it's very easily consumed, um, easily consumed on social media. So people get an an inflated idea of how much they really know um, about basketball. And I think to your point, a lot of people do not watch um, don't watch full games or even if they do they're kind of scrolling on their phone the, right. the, the entire time um, so yeah I would definitely agree with that point and uh, I, I, I'd say even take it to another level so I mean there's there's people that watch the full games but then there's people that watch the full games but might not know everything that's going on because there's a lot strategically that can happen in a basketball game that maybe your fan who is loyal to a team uh, might not notice, like somebody who's a diehard uh, Sacramento Kings fan, for example. <laughs> I'll just pull that out. Uh, it, they may be watching all the games from the lens of their team, mm. right? So they only look at all of basketball through the lens of their team. Yeah. But they're not understanding strategically what's happening. They're not noticing when they switch ball screen coverages. They're not noticing what uh, after timeout plays a coach is running, what kind of plays they're doing out of a baseline, out of bounds, stuff like that. I think separates the casual fan from uh, a real one. Yeah, no, I would I would definitely agree with that, and uh, <clears throat> I think uh, this is maybe a little bit of a testy opinion, but like personally, I don't hold a lot of people's uh, basketball opinions very high if they don't have a history of playing themselves, especially for sure. And um, that's going to sound sound a little obnoxious but like i think it i think it reigns true like i'm just not I'm, frankly i'm just like not going to listen to your opinion as well if like your basketball experience stopped at like cyo basketball to be, yeah. to be perfectly honest and like I mean, that's, that's not to discredit there's there are plenty of people who have made a career um you know in nba media or journalism and understand the game at a high level and don't have like a very extensive um you know, kind of playing background, but I think that that those are the exceptions to the rule. Like, like the everyday person on Twitter or just at your barbershop or like whatever, who just have opinions about basketball. Like if you don't have the game to back it up, like I just look at you a little bit differently to be perfectly honest. I think it's, I think it's a sliding scale because I, with that being said, I also don't think it's that complicated of a game. I think it's pretty simple to understand and pick up, but there is like a certain amount of time you got to spend around it and uh, be involved with it to really understand what's going on. Mm. There's people that, that Lawrence Frank is an example of somebody who didn't even make like any team growing Mm. up. And he was able to become an NBA coach and GM. Now you can, you can, I could, it really, I, I, can almost tell from within talking to somebody for five minutes about basketball what their level of intellect around the game is and that comes from either time spent in the game watching it time spent playing time spent around it 
Um, and it's very obvious if you're just watching the highlights, like you're going to see it differently than other people will see it. Yeah, hundred percent. And kind of a kind of a tangent off of that, like I was on, I, I saw this like Twitter thread about this a couple of weeks ago of like the classic like basically like you know like corporate white guy in the office who like doesn't really watch basketball like that and they're like oh you know i, I watch I, I watch college because they care more it's like dude get the fuck out of here and like the like the quality of basketball <laughs> don't get me started on that <laughs> it's, it's just like it's just like the quality of basketball is just like so i could so stark. we could we could dedicate a whole episode to that topic bro we could de- de- dedicate a whole season to it's that topic not, i don't know if i'm not ready even close i don't know if i'm ready <laughs> <laughs> it's like the quality I, is not i mean i'm not I'm, I'm not gonna say so you get uh, just to sum it up real quick you get different things out of the two right there's a whole different level quality of player that you see playing college versus nba and there's i will say there's the what's nice about college is there's teams with different styles of play Mm. than you see in the NBA and teams with more solidified identities, which is cool. But I I, I can't, I can't get into because I will go off (laughs) literally like we're already 33 minutes in. Like I, I (laughs) will go off on that topic because I, I don't, I don't like when people say they're like, they're only a college basketball fan to me. You're just not a real basketball fan. Yeah. And the reality is, is that is that the guy that says that they only watch college basketball during March Madness, right. which is like the best time to watch it because those are the best teams, obviously. Right. You but ain't like, you ain't watching in December. Yeah, you're not you're not watching, <laughs> you know, Pittsburgh versus Wake Forest yeah. on a random Tuesday. <laughs> right? Like that that's or, like, or that's, no, no. Even take it down another level, like say like like Pittsburgh versus Alcorn State. <laughs> You ain't watching that. You ain't watching those games. I don't know if I'm watching that. I'm either. watching those games. I'm you, watch- you're a different breed. You're, you're a different breed. <laughs> I'm definitely watching those games. But hey, I, I forgot to shout out Paige for that question. Excellent question. Shout out Paige. We did have one last question that we're going to answer at the end of the podcast, but it is who do we have coming out of the East and the West? We're going to save that one for later. Shout out to Hamza for that question. Shout out my boy Hamza, man. The real one. <laughs> so I don't know if we mentioned this at the beginning, but we are previewing the western conference this week there's a lot of interesting movements in that western conference we're going to talk about our top three moves and one underrated move that we thought happened colin why don't don't you start it off we're going to we're going to list them out and then we're going to talk about them afterwards cool um so top three moves in the western conference this year got christian wood going to the mavs that's my number one move john wall going to the clippers number two and Rudy Gobert going to the T Wolves. Damn, you got Rudy three. I don't believe in Rudy no. Gobert. Oh, no. <laughs> I do not believe. No, in he's just like. Nah, you're gonna. We're gonna look back on that one. Let's see, like, you're, you're gonna take an L on that one. Well, you know the thing is, like, I can look at it objectively and be like, I could very well be wrong because, like, <laughs> you now have probably the best defensive front line in the Western Conference, more likely than not. So I don't dispute that, but just like there's been so many moments over the past couple of years where Rudy Gobert has just he's just fucked over his teams late late in the season. Um, just I, and on the defensive end of the floor, he was getting who who was cooking him out on the perimeter last he year had, in the playoffs. He last had year. no defensive help there. Who is the best defender? I mean, like who is the best defender on those teams? There, there was never more Royce, Royce there, there was never more good defenders on the jazz than there were offensive players that was always an offensive minded team and he was having to carry them and put them on his back yeah and so the one series where the clippers went small 
and and cooked him and, and Terrence Mann was going off. Oh nuts. Yeah. I mean, I get that, but that's one series. Like I, I can't I can't bury the man for one series. You know what I mean? I wish I was I wish I was a better person, but I can't I, I, I can't I, 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 I better person. I, 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 I can't I can't get past it. I can't get past my wow. just like natural reaction to him and I just like don't I mean, but again, I still have it listed as, as an important move. Right. But, okay. Uh, well, I'm, I'm interested yeah. to see where you've got them placed in the West. So my you. my top three was Rudy Gobert, Minnesota. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna laugh at this second one. I got Bruce Brown slash Contavious Caldwell Pope to Denver, <laughs> and then John Wall to the Clippers, number three. Wow. So I didn't actually have Christian Wood to Dallas. Really? In that one. Bro, yeah, because so I guess my thing is it's just a weird fit. Like I just don't – you can't pl- – so one, they're not they're – already they're not starting him right. And it's because you can't play him and JaVale together. So I I just don't – I don't – I mean I get that he's going to be uh, – he very well could be sixth man of the year this year. I could see him averaging 20 points for them off the bench. But I guess it's just they have so many pieces that I'm trying to figure out. Like for him, and, and there's a lot of he's probably he's a pretty polarizing player in the league. There's a lot of like, is he what is he? Is he a stretch four? Is he a playmaking four? Is he a five? Like I, to me, I, I just his fit is going to have him in some games and and killing for sure. Like that's going to happen this season. I have no doubt about that. But then I also think that there's going to be some games where they can't play him. Hmm. so i don't know if you can i don't know to me i don't see that as the type of move that bolsters them up right so if we're talking top three moves i i can't i can't credit that move when they just lost jalen brunson so like are you getting better or are you essentially just staying at the level that you were already at i would argue that they're staying at the level that they're that they're already at um, I don't know. I, I, I've had <laughs> just kind of a weird tangent. I've had Christian Wood on my fantasy basketball team for the last like two years. So I've watched, <laughs> I've watched way more Christian Wood than the average NBA fan. I can say that for, I can say that for certain. And, uh, I just think he fills a lot of the needs that people thought that, or think that they're losing by not having, uh, Jalen Brunson as like, a, as another, you know, like primary scorer. So in, Understanding that the guard spot is now different there, I get that. But you have Spencer Dinwiddie, who, right. who I think who could come in and and be able to fill was, that spot. And he was hooping towards he was, the, he towards was the hooping. end of last year, but he was hooping. But it's just a weird because for me, I also just wonder about the fit with Luca. Luca is somebody that needs to play in space. That's why Dorian Finney-Smith is such a great fit for that team for them. I, I don't know, like, there, there's a, a decent, difference. He's a decent shooter. There's a difference between a guy who's a shooter and a guy that can't shoot. And I think Christian Wood is a guy that can't shoot. Hmm. I don't really see him going off for three threes a game this year. I don't I don't know that I can trust him defensively. I do know that he can score. He, he He's definitely a mismatch problem for a lot of teams. That he can post up smaller players and then he can get big – He's he's got a quickness advantage on bigger players. Hmm. I just wonder about the fit with Luca, and I just know that there's certain teams that he's not going to play against. Hmm. I don't in I the mean, playoffs. 
he'll be good in the regular season, but I just don't think that he elevates them. I think he's got too much talent to be ever sitting on like a, you know, like actually genuinely getting benched. Will his minutes maybe decrease on uh, against certain teams? I could see that, but I just think he's got way too much talent for you to be just for Jason Kidd to not throw him out on yeah. the floor. I mean, I it's mean, hard to say because he's just he he hasn't been on good teams too, so yeah, it's hard to say come playoff time. I, I I'm not sure that I, I'm a believer come playoff time that he's going to be mm. able to elevate them to another level that there are that, that that I think he he he'll do some good things. I'm not trying to say he's not a good player, but I just don't know that he brings them to another level. That's why I didn't have it a top 3 move. I mean, I so um and then I you know, I feel that the the reason why I got Bruce Brown, Contavious Caldwell Pope in Denver is because now you got two wings that can really guard. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they had that before. And if you're looking at their off looking at their starting lineup, you got Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Jokic, right? Three guys I don't they're not known for their defense. They're they're at all. The, so really the only guy defensively that you could trust is Aaron Gordon. Mm-hmm. So when you bolster up that wing with a Bruce, also Bruce Brown and Catavius Caldwell Pope, I'm excited to see them offensively because KCP gives you spacing, and then Bruce Brown is just a totally like unique offensive player. <laughs> Bruce Brown was in the series against the Celtics just when killing. the net he was killing. I'm, killing. I'm, I'm I'm texting my man Alex Schiffer, who is the beat writer for the Nets. I'm texting him like, "Yo, is this dude the third best player on their team?" <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't think I realized like when that happened, but he was. So I'm really excited to see. There's going to be times where Bruce Brown is setting a ball screen for Jokic and rolling to the hoop, mm. maybe doing stuff like he did in Brooklyn. I don't know. I just think that that move put them in another echelon for me because I think my biggest lack of belief in Denver has been their ability to guard, and now that you have depth that can guard too, I think that's going to help them a lot. And then. You know, John Wall, I guess for me, I, I can recognize just how good of a player he is. But when you haven't played for two years, I don't know what we're getting. Yeah. We saw Clay Thompson this year was good still, but he wasn't the same version of himself. And then when you're playing that point guard position, to take two years off, I, I, it's just a question mark for me. It's it's not so much my belief in uh, John Wall. What about what, what's your underrated move? Uh, under, underrated move. Uh, I'm a big Jeremy Grant fan. And mm, going, interesting. Going to. I, I, I had a feeling you were going to say that, bro. <laughs> because because I because I wanted Jeremy Grant in the Celtics for the last like five years. Um, but but like doesn't it doesn't it like how easy Portland got him makes me like kind of be like look back and be like why. Teams Why make weird it? trades sometimes. It was I, literally just a second round pick. I swear, it was, it, it was, it was, it was they got it was, him for a second round pick. It was a salary dump. Yeah, salary dump. But he's, I like his game, man. I mean, he's not a, he's you know, he's he's a, I guess you call it a suspect defender to a certain degree. But like, you know, he he gives you spacing. He gives you scoring at that at that four guard uh, or four guard <laughs> at, at that four guard. That I mean, that's guard. what it is well, in the NBA now, basically. Yeah. Um, but you know, he, he gives you spacing. He gives you, he gives you scoring. Um, you know, that, uh, that Portland roster, they've got a little, a little bit of something, I think just overall. So, um, I, I think that Jeremy has, you know, 
fallen victim to playing on just bad teams over the course of his entire NBA career. So I think this will easily be the best one that he's ever been on. So does he elevate them to like a real contender? No. But um, I think it was definitely just an underrated move that people are not thinking about and, you know, is a nice little piece, um, you know, around, uh, you know, Simons and uh, and Lillard uh, that I think can add just some additional, additional, you know, 15 points a game, right? And like that's all they really need from him. It's funny because my underrated move of the offseason was also on the Portland Trailblazers and Gary Perry, Gary Payton II. Mm. To me, that move was super underrated because if you think about it, Dame has never played with a defensive-minded guard of that level of defender. Agreed. And I think that that's going to help take the team to another level. I, I could see him playing significant. Man. I could even see him being the sixth man coming in pretty early, yep. give Dame rest or give Simons rest, whoever they need. He's going to play a lot of minutes. I really think that he shifted the entire NBA Finals series against the Celtics when he came back. Like he gave them something different that Portland hasn't had. Portland's been a prolific offensive team over the last few years and have been able to play at the level that they were at because they were so elite offensively. But now that they have some pieces defensively, like Josh Hart, Gary Payton. And we'll see if some some guys emerge like a, a Nas Little or a Justice Winslow. Hmm. They're finally getting a more well-rounded team, which makes me – I don't know that they're completely there yet, but it makes me feel a little bit more optimistic about them this season than last season. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, what about rookies? What about rookies in the West? Who are we excited about? Uh, well, who was, who was your underrated guy in the West? For for the or, or, yeah, it was, or, Gary, it was Gary Payton. Oh, yeah, wow, high yeah. high moment. Um, <laughs> I literally just talked about this. Man. I, I literally well, just because you were because you were talking about the Blazers, and I'm like, oh, like he's still kind of talking about Jeremy Grant. I don't know where my head is at. Sorry, <laughs> still lost. Come on, head. man, lock in, man. <laughs> uh, so rookies, rookies in the West. Um, I got Keegan Keegan Murray one, uh, Shaden Sharp two. Talking about Ooh. the Blazers again. And uh, and Jabari Smith going to the Rockets. Okay, so those are my three. Ours are pretty similar. I've got Keegan Murray one. I got Jabari Smith two, and then I got Jeremy Sohan mm. uh, three. Because again, like similar. I don't know to, how to feel about him. Uh, well, he's going to play a lot, so you'll you'll learn how to feel about him pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how. Yeah, I know how I feel about him. I mean, I think he's. They're already like raving about him. Yeah, coming are. out of training camp, so that's always a good sign. He's got a chance to be a pretty elite defender. Yeah. He's going to play a lot, so I think for me, that's why I got him at, at three. I don't even necessarily, like, I guess uh, my not knowing how to feel about him is more so like, I feel like it's a very classic, like, he was on a pretty deep college roster and just had the, like a very specific role. And it sounds like that right. role is going to be very similar in, in the NBA, but like, yeah, it yeah just, I think that's why exactly why I think he's going to be good. Well, there you he's go. Not, he's not like somebody that's been like the focal point that's having to go down a role. Yeah. Right? He's going to I don't. I don't know. Is he going to start for them? I, he might. Mm. If he's coming in and starting from day one, he's going to be like on first team all rookie to me. So yeah, he, whether he's he's there or not, he's like Pop said, he's, they're going to be developing their young talent. So he's going to play a lot. Yeah, he's going to get a lot of minutes. Um, and then we both had Keegan Murray. Uh, one. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I feel like we're both pretty swayed by summer league. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. I would not have made that. I would not have made that pick before summer league. But yeah, not a question. He balled out and and looked like a polished nba scorer mm-hmm. right yeah reminded me a lot of uh kind of like 
Antoine Jameson. Al oh my gosh! Al, Al, Al I thought you were about to say Anthony Randolph. <laughs> what? Yeah, because <laughs> Anthony Randolph. Randolph balled out in summer league one year, and then I don't know what happened after that. <laughs> well, Anthony Randolph couldn't hit more than like a ten footer, so you know, yeah. much different skill set. But I feel like just the kind of I mean, what's he about? Like six nine, six ten. Yeah. Um, you know, decently sized can you know not necessarily you know you wouldn't call his handles like super tight but you know he can he can get to the rim you know shoots shoots well from the mid-range and from three so i think that he'll be a good piece next to uh next to sabonis and i think sabonis will help with uh just kind of that overall development but sacramento is also just a nightmare as a whole so i i hope i hope it goes well for him what about underrated rookie second round rookie out of the west staying with the kings i'm going with Jaden hardy wait (laughs) Jaden Hardy's on the Mavs. Oh, on the Mavs. Oh, I, I had it listed as the Kings. I'm, I'm, I think he got drafted by the Kings, but he got traded. Ah, because but I you know what? That was also my thing. What's it actually? I'm, I'm, I'm bugging right now. Um, and it's crazy because I literally saw a clip of him earlier today, like hitting the. He hit like a Sham God move, yep. like in practice. I didn't realize that uh, God Sham God is on. Uh, he, he's on the yeah, Dallas he's their, staff. Their, their staff. He's on I their staff. I didn't even know that. Well, yeah. I had it listed wrong over here. No, no, no. You're good. I mean, yeah, I he, I have him too because the guy came straight out of high school, went straight to the G League, and people were judging him off the numbers. I'm just thinking, how how are you judging somebody that goes from high school to pro? Remember when the NBA had the high school to pro rule, that was the same type of transition that people had. People were not great right away. That yeah. was very uncommon for the guys that came straight out of high school. I feel the same way about him. I feel like that was a steal for them. I, oh, yeah. I, I, I'm curious to see how soon he'll, because I am a firm believer that he will be playing for the Mavericks at some point. I don't know how soon it's going to be, but mm. he's going to play. Yeah. No, he's, no. he's gonna play it so he's gonna get his chance and he's gonna show he's gonna surprise some people for sure mm-hmm. also doesn't hurt you know playing for a coach like uh like jason kidd you know what i mean just had that guard spot i'm sure that that'll help as well too right right all right man why, why don't we hop into our top 15 teams in the west what are we predicting let's do it this is uh, this is my favorite part of the show i'm really curious when we get to all-star break to look back at these and see how these look exactly <laughs> Uh well yeah I guess I'll start so uh going from the we'll go from bottom to top um I got Utah coming in at fifteen I mean they're just in full um full rebuild mode but just running through this Utah Utah at fifteen Spurs at fourteen OKC thirteen Houston at twelve Sacramento eleven Portland at ten uh New Orleans at nine Minnesota at eight Lakers at seven. Phoenix at six, Clippers at five, Dallas at four, Denver at three, Memphis at two, Golden State, number one. Wow. That's funny because we have a lot of similarities, but then there's some like drastic differences. So mine is also last place I got the Spurs. I don't got the Jazz. Really? Which we could talk about for a second, but I'm going to go through the list and then we'll we'll, we'll work our way up from there. I've I've got Spurs 15. Jazz 14, Thunder 13, Rockets 12, Kings 11, Trailblazers 10, Mavericks 9, Timberwolves 8, Lakers 7, Clippers 6, Pelicans 5, Grizzlies 4, Nuggets 3, Suns 2, Golden State 1. Wow. You got you got Dallas at 8. I got I got Dallas at 9. 9. Not yeah, man. I just, playing. well, no, it's, it's like we're saying all these teams 
we're saying at the beginning of the podcast, either got healthier or made additions. To me, they just stayed the same. They just stayed the same to me. And mm. I, as much as I believe in Luca, I think he's just carrying an offensive burden that is hard for a top team in the West to carry. Whereas I look at these other teams, I don't feel like they're having to do, their star players aren't having to do as much as he is. Yeah. I think our difference is that, uh, you know, I, I think you have just justified um, hesitations about Christian Wood. I think that Christian Wood's going to come in and, and be like very solid for them. But when, you know, when you put it in the context of like, did they really get any better, especially by losing Jalen Brunson? Um, I think that, I think that Christian Wood will basically amount to the same amount of offensive production that, that Jalen that Jalen Brunson will. That that's my personal prediction. Um, yeah. Plus more rebounding, frankly, and just size. But yeah, but, 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 yeah, but like, less to me. I think you're getting less. Well, as crazy as this is to say out loud, you're getting less points in the paint because Jalen Brunson was one of the top paint scorers in the league last yeah, year, he, right? He gets the rim. And then I think you're just getting less playmaking and. Um, I th- yeah, I think you're about getting the same thing defensively. So we'll see. But yeah, let's see. Let, let's talk about let's talk about the Spurs and the Jazz because I think this is funny. Can you name the highest paid player on the Spurs? Jakob Pertle? No, it's Doug McDermott. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Dougie, like, Dougie McBuckets. And I, I I don't know, like maybe factoring, I think maybe Keldon Johnson might, after having re-signed this summer, might be mm. like close. But as of last year, Doug McDermott was the highest paid player. And I, I just, it's the team is so young yeah. that I just don't see them. Well, at least the Jazz, you're looking at them. Obviously, we're probably running under the assumption that the Jazz are going to make some trades, but mm. I think the Spurs are also going to make some trades too, probably. right? They had already came out and said that they want two first-round picks for Jakob Pertl. I, I bet you there's going to be some teams that aren't shooting the ball well that would be interested in a Doug McDermott. Yeah. Um, so I think the Spurs are also going to make trades, and then I just don't – like. Uh, I, as, as strange as this sounds, I was looking at the Jazz's starting lineup like, it's not terrible. Like I was like, what's Mike, their projected starting? Well, so right now, as of today, Mike Conley, Colin Sexton, um, and Lori Markinen. Um, trying to think who would be that other, one. and then probably going to be Walker Kessler at the five, who's a rookie. Mm. I want to say in that other spot, it could be either Jordan Clarkson, or Malik Beasley. Mm. Jared Vanderbilt, if they want to go big, I'm not really sure who that fifth starter is, but I mean, if if we're talking about Jared Vanderbilt and Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench, Jared Vanderbilt was a starter on a playoff team last year. Yeah, was. Jordan Clarkson's a former sixth man of the year. Mm-hmm. The roster is still not that bad, honestly. As, as as crazy as it sounds, I just don't think. I mean, they're gonna not. They're not. They're trying to lose games. That's very obvious at this yeah. point, but. Compared to the Spurs, like if the Spurs, your best player is Keldon Johnson, and then the Jazz, you got some guys that are with more experience at the very least. Yeah. Right? That's so f- That's fair. I, that's why I got them last. And okay. then I think our biggest, our next big, I mean, we were pretty almost like, I, we, we had literally the same uh, 13 to not to 10. Mm. Literally the same. Yep. I think the Kings still 
I can see the Kings making the play-in, but uh, yeah, that's I, about I still though. think they're on the outside looking in. Yep. Where was our next biggest difference? I think it might have been the, the Pelicans. Yeah, you had, I had the Pelicans. Yeah. I, 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 I had the Pelicans at nine. Um, right. I just think they got momentum, right? They do. They And they made one of the biggest additions of the offseason in Zion Williamson. Because he was on the team uh, last year, so they were able to do all that without him. And and when Zion played, man, that dude was like an All NBA player. He's a freak, right? So I think that they got better exponentially compared to a lot of the other teams. Yeah. So that's why I got them five, and it it feels a little premature. I get it, but I think that they have two legitimate options offensively in CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram. Zion. Zion there. And then Zion's is also like they're, they're gonna be a hard team Valentine's to guard. Out here shooting threes now. Yeah, they're gonna yeah. be a they're gonna be a hard team to guard. Facts. So Facts. I think they're gonna put some pressure. I felt a little differently about the Clippers than you. How, where did you have the Clippers? I have them at five. Five. Okay. Um, well, I had them at six. Yeah, I mean, I just I I think the hesitation around John Wall is like totally justified, especially just given the fact that he hasn't played in two years. But I don't think there's a really better situation for you to walk into after your entire career has been predicated on you being like a number one or number two scorer. And right. you're now dealing with the, you know, arguably two of the top five two-way players in, in the NBA with uh, with Kawhi and, and Paul George. For sure. So, um, so I think that he walks into a good situation. I like that roster. They're super deep. Um, a lot of scoring. They're deep. They're deep at certain spots, though. Like, I, it's hard for me to say that they're I mean, they are deep, but like I feel like they're super deep on the wing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're 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 not very deep at the uh, uh at, in the in their front court. Yeah, I'll, I'll they're agree, not they're not deep at the five, and they're not deep at the point guard position, which is that's kind of where my biggest hesitation I, to me. I'm I don't think the Clippers are a contender because of that simple fact that we don't know the point guard position. It's just we don't know, and then. Zubats is he's a starting center in the league, but mm-hmm. if he gets in foul trouble, who they got? Who who is the five off the bench? I really I, don't even I, know. I, I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, yeah, I, I think the point, at least for me, I think the point guard spot is less of a concern, just because I feel like you know John Wall will definitely be that guy for them. We'll we'll, we'll see how he responds, but I feel like um, I feel like PG does a good job of like you know being able to like run the offense every, every now and then. I mean that of course is not his primary spot, but um, like you know, I, I think there's a lot of playoff series where you know he'll he'll be you know br- you know kind of initiating the offense. But um, if but if he's having to do all that, especially given that he's a guy that underratedly has been out for a really long time, really long time. He's a guy you can't have PG playing the point because he they're going to be load managing him and Kawhi all year long. So there's going to have to be somebody that emerges. I don't know if maybe it's the kid Jason Preston mm-hmm. that they drafted a few or, uh, two years ago. two years ago. I don't know. It's just there I, to me. Th- those are question marks that I, I can't move forward with them without having those answered. Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. I mean, and what you had them at six, I had them yeah. at five. So. I guess maybe the biggest difference we had was the Suns. Like you had them at six. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I got them at six. I can't. I can't get behind that because I still, bro. They got Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, borderline defensive player of the year last year. And then they're going to be starting Camp Johnson, who is also pretty nice. Like that is a that's one of the best fives in the league. Like five man lineup. I I just they've been one of the best regular season teams over the last two years. Unless maybe if you're thinking Chris Paul 
might be aging or uh, to me i feel like they're still in that contender echelon yeah i, I don't i don't necessarily disagree with you like i and was they're saying, also getting dario sarge back oh yeah they are <clears throat> i i guess i just uh and i kind of made the point previously like they just remind me of those i don't know just like regular season heavy like toronto raptors teams from like back in the day and then in that in conjunction with which team are you talking about? Like the ones with like Demar Derozan and yeah, Kyle Lowry? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking. Of, I'm thinking of those, and and uh, I'm not trying. Like I'm not. I'm personally. I'm not a Chris Paul hater. Like I, I think that he's a elite, elite point guard. But there's been a repeated pattern of just like these teams, just like not necessarily like it, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of like infighting like amongst the other amongst the other players or whatever. But it just like seems like. You know, around that, like, at least for the last couple of years, that, like, two or three year mark where they just start to just kind of crumble. I wish I had, like, better, more eloquent words right. to, to, like, put it to put it towards. But, like, it just seems like they're seems like they're kind of uh, it seems like they've peaked. And I think that people know how to um, know, know, know how to defend them. Um, yeah, and, I mean, like, they are going to have to do some things offensively. I think the one of the biggest things is they take the most mid-range shots in the league. Yeah. And obviously Chris Paul and Devin Booker, that's a strong point for them, but it's just really hard to win that way. Mm. Yeah. It, it's just, it's, it's been proven. The numbers prove it. Like you can't just rely on that to win NBA games. You gotta, you gotta be able to make more threes. I think that's maybe where Cam Johnson's like a big wild card for them. Mm. Yeah. I think that's definitely a big piece of it. And, uh, and yeah, again, like, you know, we alluded to it at the top of the show, like you can't take too much stock in NBA media day, but Deandre Aiden coming in and already being pissed off right. is not a good, not no, a good look. I mean, definitely, they're definitely going to make some trades. Like the team we know it as it is now is not who they're probably going to be because they're going to probably trade Jay Crowder. Yeah. So we don't know what they're going to look like after that. And then who knows, like if, if there really is like some fire behind the smoke of DeAndre Ayton's media day. Yeah. So we'll see. What else? Like, I, I feel like we've pretty much, where, I mean, where, I was different. The, where did you have the, uh, the Lakers? Seven. Okay. Well, yeah, we My one level. note for the Lakers was need more shooting. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, that's I mean, literally like, it. I mean, I, I'm happy with their offseason because I think that they establish more of an identity and know what they want to do. They're clearly wanting to be a defensive team. Darvin Ham was the anchor of one of the top defenses in the league over the last few years in Milwaukee, and they added Patrick Beverly. Clearly, they want to add or clearly they, they want to build on that identity yeah. of being a defensive team. I still think that they have some holes in their defense, but. It's good to see that they'll at least have, and I, I don't think I don't see any way that Russell Westbrook's going to have as bad of a year as he had last year. We'll see though. Yeah, hopefully not, man. I'm a big Russ fan, so I, yeah. I, I, I hope that he he's able to turn it around. And you know, I just think the the league is better when uh, when the Lakers are, are going into the playoffs. Um, you know, LeBron's trailing towards the end of his career. I want to see him make a couple more, make a couple more runs. So I'm, I'm the open, man I'm, still averaged thirty a game last year. Yeah, it was absurd, absolutely absurd. Hey, he's and, not going anywhere anytime soon, as uh, much as people want him to. Definitely, but <laughs> at, but at, at this point, it's really about really it's it's about AD. 
whether he yeah. can, whether he can stay on the floor because well, LeBron said it when he when he joined like this is his team like he needs to be the driving force that's you know bringing them you know in, in into a deep playoff run and if he's just not available then the conversation stops right for there. sure but it's not just like about his availability he hasn't shot the ball really well from outside over the last two years yeah and he talked about one of the th- reasons is that he had wrist injuries mm. now he with that being said he's, he's saying it feels good now but how, we just can't trust his health i think that's the biggest thing that's yeah. that's holding them back yeah made a glass we we both had golden state one yeah. right and i mean to me I, and i'm watching the preseason game watching them play against the wizards and uh, i'm seeing it I, I, already from preseason game one i can i can still see that they're picking up exactly where they left off yeah. obviously preseason is super sloppy and and teams aren't anywhere near where they're going to be in a few months but the way that they were moving the basketball just it's just so hard to not pick them one because there's just no other team that does that in the league to the level that they do it and uh, they're still that same team and it's really hard especially i mean there there's some people that are down on their offseason because they let Otto porter go they let gary payton go and basically, they're relying on some young guys to come in and step up. But, uh, but they've got good young guys. <laughs> I, I, I like they're the, great young guys. I, I mean, mean, Wiseman again. Like you can't take too much stock in preseason, but Wiseman looked good yesterday. Yeah. Um, you know, Jonathan Kaminga, um, I think is a good piece. There was also some like negative like talk about him. I feel like this summer, I feel like there was like a report saying that like they don't like his like work ethic. Like he's not mm-hmm. he's not in the gym as much as he needs to be, but. You can't deny the guy's just athletic capability, one, um, and what he could potentially do for you on the defensive end of the floor while still being, you know, a solid rim runner. And, you know, he definitely developed his shot a little bit. You could see a little bit of that in in, in summer league. Um, So those two and Moses Moody, um, you know, you've you've got some good pieces. They added uh, DiVincenzo this summer as well um, coming off of injury. But I think that, you know, losing Otto Porter and Gary Payton Payton, um, are definitely – significant losses but when you're an organization like that and you have you know the stars that they do i think that you're able to find guys that can fulfill those roles for you so i don't see them um anywhere it's outside like the patriots them. same concept it really right? is I same mean, concept. like guys walk that normally you'd be like oh wow we need to have them back but no you just got the next man up they'll figure it out they'll, they'll figure it out the, figure the it out. other young guy that i was impressed with them in preseason was patrick baldwin Junior, it's crazy. <laughs> they got in the drafting in the last few years. They've gotten two former number one players in the country. Yeah, and he's another one that flew under the radar because he played in Milwaukee this year. And yeah, honestly, didn't really have that great of a year. He was hurt for but, a lot of it too. Yeah, wasn't he? and and uh, watching him and preaching, like he hit this turnaround jumper out of the post, and I'm like, oh man, like you got a, a, a something totally different, like the. Draymond is just like the he's like the opposite of Draymond. He's like a tall, skinny, uh, sniper, six eleven. Is I got excited just seeing him play a little bit. I don't know how much he'll even play this year, but it's just yet another guy that they have that you know for us Celtics fans is frustrating to see. Dude, <laughs> just how well they've drafted over the last few years. Yeah. So I guess to that, uh, you know, kind of wrap it up. So who is your, um, we'll count to our mailbag question. Yeah. Um, so who do you have coming out of both the East and West this year for the finals? I've got Philly coming out of the East this year. 
And then I've got Golden State coming out of the West. And to be honest, winning it all, I've got Golden State again. I'm in the same boat, man. I got uh, I got Golden State, but I got the Bucks um, coming coming out of the East. And uh, yeah, it's just it's hard for me to not see Golden State repeating, honestly, for even for how tough it is. <clears throat> but uh, Steph Curry's just on another, he's on another level, man. Yeah, like he's just like I mean you 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 can't guard him, and just like they play to your point previously, they just play the best brand of basketball across the NBA. So I just imagine without, you know, um, you know, barring any major injuries, I don't see them not being able to go to at a minimum get to the finals. And then I think at that point, it's always a conversation of, well, who's got the best player. Right. And Steph right. Curry is basically almost always going to make that argument. For me, it's not even just about Steph. It's about the, they have so many options. Like they, have Jordan Poole, they have Wiggins. And I'm not even talking about from just the the standpoint of those are weapons that they can use. Like those are also weapons that they can trade. Hmm. So we don't know they, they if how their season's gonna start, how they're gonna look. But if it doesn't go well, they can just trade. They can they can make a high, high level trade yeah. with pieces like James Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody. I just feel like they have the ultimate cushion compared to other teams like they can't afford to lose. They can afford to have somebody injured. They can afford to have Clay Thompson injured. You yeah. know, I mean they can afford to have Kevon Looney injured or they, you know, they, I just, they lasted the second half of the regular right. season last year without Draymond. So they've got this cushion that I don't think any other team in the league and yeah, I agree. I, Steph Curry is still in his prime and he's just an impossible player to game plan for as we as we saw in the finals last year. Yeah. yeah but um yeah man so those are our picks and uh i think that's about it man yeah i mean you got anything else you want uh to, you know if you've made it this far for our listeners uh no i mean really appreciate all the views guys all the uh all the engagement with us again please like comment subscribe um, we definitely really appreciate it we will uh, we'll be back next week um with our third episode it'll be our first um first uh, episode with a guest so we're really excited to announce that you'll be hearing from us you know over the course of the week with some you know additional posts and just updates about what's going on with us um but again looking forward to next week and we'll talk to you guys soon